Hello, and welcome to True Horrors with Meg and Rachel. Every week we discuss a horror film and the true stories that inspired, influenced, or bear striking resemblance to them. Be warned for spoilers and adult themes. I'm Rachel. And I'm Meg. This is True Horrors. Welcome back to part two of our 100 hour long conversation about all three It movies. I do think that this will go a little bit quicker because we've talked about some of these things already just by nature. Gotta love a um, a creepy child singing. That's funny. I wrote that note too. I wrote, I hate creepy children singing. I had a feeling that we were going to come down on opposite sides of this love right it. out of the gate. <laughs> do you think they just had a casting call that said cutest child in the world to be murdered? Because <laughs> that little boy who plays Georgie is so adorable yes. like aggressively mm-hmm. then he gets his arm chewed off yep the fact that it uses Bill to manipulate Georgie is some next level bullshit I know right because I feel like it makes that scene make a lot more sense than they do in the miniseries where like he's just a naive child but like this is one where it's like it, it kind of shows like it's preying on their anxieties. Like it sets that up right away. Whereas like that doesn't happen in the miniseries the whole time, like watching it. I'm like, why is that? What, why, what is this kid doing? Like, why is he still engaging in this conversation when he knows he's not supposed to be talking to strangers? He also could have gotten the boat. I'm not, I'm not trying to be all Titanic about this, but they make it make a lot more sense that Georgie loses the boat. Whereas like the shot is really weird in the original one where it's like, how did you lose that boat? Whereas it makes a, like you see him lose the boat in more of a real way. So again, it makes everything make a little bit more sense. Whereas Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like he's, you know, oh, a child being careless. He like hits his head. Right. Um, which um, I'm a bad person but I laugh at that every single time <laughs> you know I work with kids and when they fall down I still laugh like I can't help it <laughs> um, they did Mike so dirty yes. in this one makes me so angry mm-hmm. so angry how dirty they did Mike like mm-hmm. they redeem themselves for me a bit a tiny bit but they yeah. still they still do mike so dirty in this whole movie if you guys are are listening and you've only watched the new version first of all like i'm shocked but secondly <laughs> watch the tim curry 90s version and you'll understand why i had such a crush on mike as a child mm-hmm. because like i mean this mike is still fabulous like he's great but they took his thing they did and they, they took gave it, it, to ben. it to ben they're like we can't have two nerds in one story like they took his thing his thing was hit like it just it made me so mad like when they gave it to ben i'm like Mm -hmm. that's not ben's thing like well because the thing is it is established ben also reads a lot but like there are seven of them two of them can have an interest in common like also mike's thing isn't really even just reading it's a history of this town specifically and it also and that's what they give to him yes which doesn't make any sense because he's the one who stays and then has all this information about the town. Like it doesn't narratively flow to have one kid be interested in the history of the town. And then later someone else picks it up. Like that's just bad storytelling. Especially since Ben has a thing, it's architecture. Mm -hmm. And the thing is they give that to him way more strongly in the reboot. He builds them a clubhouse. Mm -hmm. He has a thing. Mike's is history and then like obviously it's redeemed at the end the whole thing with Mike's parents being drug addicts who burn their house down but like forgetting that that is like make you know that that has a happy and a happy quote-unquote like ending in the end it's also doesn't like look great no. for the first one of the reboot. The fact that they do that to Mike when he had good parents in the yes. and even though they don't see we don't see his parents everything he talks about like my dad always says and like Mm -hmm. all these things he has good parents in the og one too and like whoever is taking care of him who's making him murder those sheep he's homeschooled which he isn't in the og and he murder and he has to murder sheep Mm -hmm. and we don't really know who that is an uncle maybe i think they say it's his grandfather um 
which I know again, where they're drawing a lot of this from in the book, he does live on a farm. Um, and I don't think he does go to school with them. I don't know if it's that he goes to a different school because he lives in a segregated town. I can't, again, that book is a thousand goddamn pages long, but I don't think he does. Like, so like, I know where they're drawing that inspiration from, but the way they put it together is not good and is definitely racist. Yeah. And that's also much like with the fact that Beverly's the only woman or mm-hmm. girl who's a girl in this. It also doesn't do great. Like it's again, if that's your only character, there's just like a lot of weirdness. And yes. it also, as you've stated, doesn't make a ton of sense considering Mike's thing is being the historian. Yes. He collects it all. He stays behind. Um, all of that. So I was, I was real upset with how dirty they did him also, in um, the O in the first part he's also like the primary narrator of the novel like yes he is such an important character and they really like make him take a back seat and i don't like it i don't like it either um he narrates the um miniseries yes because he's the narrator <laughs> like it changes points of view a lot but he is like a narrator like part of it the device is his journals as he goes through the history of the town. Like he is the narrator. Um, okay, I could do an entire other podcast on how mad that made me, but, <laughs> and that kid did good work. Like that kid was such a good actor. Mm-hmm. Like they were all great actors. They all had such incredible chemistry. Mm-hmm. The adult actors have such incredible chemistry. And I don't just mean that in a romantic sense. I mean right. that in the chemistry of those people together, mm-hmm. like the moments where they were all just talking shit, were so funny. Mm-hmm. Like this movie, these movies are so funny. Yes. And everyone, and they act uh, so much like kids, even if they don't really look like any kids you would see in your neighborhood <laughs> or dress like any kids you would see in your neighborhood. They talk like it mm-hmm. and their interactions are very childlike, which I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And just like the back and forth they have are just so entertaining to watch and add such meat to it, mm-hmm. which is also why I think they could have just said, their bond because they they do a lot to establish they have a whole movie establishing their childhood bond yes a two and a Um, half hour movie i would like to point out it's not it's not a short movie not a short movie outside of that i i wrote stop following nightmares because did you notice how often they just like there was something and they just went towards it toward it yeah stop following nightmares Like when that weird ass balloon and Ben's like, oh, let's see where that balloons. Why? Why? Maybe a child lost it. Children go into the library too. Also, that librarian needs to mind her own fucking business. (laughs) Like I just, every time I see that scene, I feel so attacked. 100% um the scene where they're all talking about what they're afraid of and Richie goes clowns I was like and it in the distance is like how convenient (laughs) I mean I do want to point out just real quick for people who uh don't like jokes it's a joke we know that he is not revealing his true fear like we know that it's it's just a real fun joke oh yeah no but that's that is like when he says it I'm like I, I get why he said it, but I'm also like, I just like imagining what it thinks while it's watching all of them. Like, I already know how to do that one. I am no a clown. <laughs> the scene with the projector is their shower scene. Mm-hmm. That scene is that scene is so good. Um, so good. I know you didn't see this in theaters, but I did. And that scene is no fun in a movie theater. That clown is way too big on a movie theater screen. I hated it so much. I think that was the only point in the movie where I actually like had to look away. Like did not care for that whatsoever. I love all the their reactions. Like all these kids are just incredible actors, mm-hmm. but I love that they, none of them react the same, mm-hmm. which is how people would react. Right. It's not like they're all just like screaming. Mm-hmm. Like some of them are stunned silent. Some of them are frozen. Some of them are clinging to each other. Like right. I love that mm-hmm. because like, that's just how 
it would be normally. And I know yeah. that sounds really like the bar is low, but a lot of times it's like in scary movies, what you do is scream. And it's like, sometimes people don't scream when they're, when they're that shocked. Right. Like one of the three primary fear responses is to freeze. Like it's, it's the worst one for the record because it's the only one that doesn't guarantee your survival in any kind. I mean, I guess maybe if you freeze and like the thing trying to kill you doesn't see you, but like as a person who freezes when they get really anxious, it's really annoying <laughs> because it does, it does not help. I love all the jokes, but one of my favorite jokes is when Richie calls her Molly Ringwall. <laughs> And then at the end, um, I would say my big thing is that it's not a happy ending if you know that they didn't kill it mm -hmm. and you know what happens to them. It's a weird ending. And if you don't know what happens to them, if you know it's not dead, it's still a really weird, like it's very, it's very much one half of a full story right. when told this way, because it's not dead. No, which again is why people were so surprised in the theater that there was, that it was going to be continued. Like they haven't even been adults yet. Like you all have to be adults to come into this theater or you have to know an adult at least. Like it's a rated R Well, I don't think our movie theaters check that. Which is why when we were like 21 or 20, I was so surprised that I couldn't get into a rated R movie and our friend who scared me with the clown had to buy my ticket. Right, I forgot that. Because I was like, no one has ever checked my ID going into a rated R movie. My theaters don't do that. Okay, so here's what I think we do. Okay. I think we just overall archingly start this off by talking about Richie and Eddie. Okay. Um. So I want to start with a little bit of an intro with the fact that like, I love it, but it is really Rachel's thing. Yes. And before these movies even came out, like if you were a fan of the book slash a fan of the 1990s version, you knew that it was coded mm -hmm. as far as Richie and Eddie, they, that they were, um, they were pretty heavily coded in both. And at least at the very least, Richie was definitely supposed to be gay in the book mm -hmm. um pennywise taunts him with it at one point um mm -hmm. and so this like the fact that they went here mm -hmm. and fully went i'm very proud of but it just makes it sadder look i'm even sadder now look this movie fucked me up for a really long time i am not kidding i was sad for a month mm -hmm. i saw this movie and i was sad for a month and then all through October, I had like a very like mild depressive episode. I'm not saying this movie made me depressed because it would be irresponsible to suggest that depression can be caused by movies. But I am saying that is a thing that happened in my life. I would go to work and I'd be doing my, you know, my work with children again, a very distracting job. And like those scenes would just come back to haunt me. And I'd be like, okay, I need, I need a second. I just need a second here to recollect my thoughts. Like I was haunted for weeks and I'm still haunted occasionally. Like it'll just come back to me. Um, one of the things I wrote, we're gonna, I wrote in conclusion, Bill Hader ruined my life and this is a dumb movie and I hate it. <laughs> hate it so much. Well, here's my thing. And I'm sort of, I, I'm, I'm just really interested in your thoughts here, mm -hmm. Rachel. It's that on the one hand, this movie blatantly introduces two um, gay couples mm -hmm. and then it murders one half of both of them. So it buries both of its gay mm -hmm. like tropes or um, couples. So not that, you know, you get points or anything, right. but I'm not really for, you know, there should be representation even in horror movies, like even in movies where people are being murdered all the time. I want to see representation. I right. want to see more diversity and we're getting more diversity. Uh, but the issue is, is on the one hand, they finally brought it out of subtext, mm -hmm. but on the other hand, because they didn't change it. Right. And some people are purists. Some people would say like, it would have been bad if they would have changed it. I completely disagree. I Same. think that 
they just needed Stan to have died. They changed the fact that Mike was stabbed. They fucked around with Mike's storyline. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't think it's that big of a change. Right. Um, but to then bring it out, I mean, I'm not saying it's worse, but I'm saying it doesn't make it a ton better mm-hmm. to bring it out and then murder Eddie in front of him. Because they also did it in a way that was so brutal, mm-hmm. worse than the 1990s version. And then like, there's just something that's so disturbing about it. And there, there are couples in horror movies. Like right. there are couples that live. There's a couple in this horror movie, even though they get rid of, basically get rid of Audra. Ben and Beverly survived the whole movie. And that's mm-hmm. like an important romance that they end up together. And I would say the other end of that coin is Richie and Eddie, mm-hmm. as far as being high school or um, childhood loves. Because mm-hmm. like, and they kill him like yes and the thing the thing is we've talked about the ending where they all remember each other and i'm like i don't know if it makes it better because everyone else gets a happy ending but you've got your two dead characters and then the one who lost the love of his life like and him like finally coming to terms with his sexuality is not like on par with finally escaped like finally getting away from trauma or you know finally getting to be with the love of your life or finally getting out of an abusive relationship. That's not the same thing as a person who has come to terms with their sexuality. It's not as big as that. Like, yes, it's a big step, but it's not a happy ending. It's more like a beginning. And so we just get to the point where it's like the only living character who doesn't get a happy ending is the queer character. And I don't like that one bit. And then I guess since we're on this topic, I'll give my little TED talk about that opening scene. So, because I mean, we can't, we can't just not talk about it because that scene is problematic as fuck. But I was like, we were like halfway through and the scene had already gone on too long. And again, since we've mentioned the book, like it's based on a scene, it's based on an event in the book. It's not based on a scene in the book because we don't see it happen in the book, which was based on a real event. And I get it narratively, like it's a bookend. Um, it sets, you know, it, it sets up or it bookends Richie's story. And it also like sets up why he has a reason to still be afraid to come out because I mean, it's 2020, but like same sex marriage has only been legal in the entire country since 2016. Like, and it only just became illegal to fire people for being gay. I don't even know if that one covered trans rights. Like, We've come a long way since 1989, but in a lot of very meaningful ways, we haven't come very far at all. So I get why they included it. But like, even in the book, it's kind of, it's told like through flashbacks, like it's told through the perspective of the police who arrest the teenagers. They're the ones talking about it. And like their interviews with the teenagers and with his boyfriend. And like, I know that takes longer and doesn't play as well, but like there had to be a better way than to have that scene go on for as long as it did. Because again, that's a very real thing that could still happen to people. And like, I've talked to people who, they typically don't have strong reactions to horror movie scenes who have been like, even I got really uncomfortable during that scene. Everyone I've ever talked to about it, everything I've ever seen online has been people been like, this this scene is too much. And if you're going to go see this movie, you need to know this is coming for you so that it doesn't fuck you up the way it fucked me up. Um, that's the thing is that you don't, you don't know it's coming. Mm -hmm. You don't know it's coming. Even if you're like a fan of the 1990 version, Mm -hmm. you don't know this is coming. And it's like shocking. And I would say as somebody who is a huge horror fan, it was one of the most shocking things I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Um, it was awful for me even to be sitting there and watching it. And so I can't even imagine, I can't imagine how, like, how it would feel like, again, to have no warning, Mm -hmm. like no reason to expect that that's the kind of movie you're seeing. And in a movie where there's a clown that's going to bite off a child's arm, it's the most upsetting scene because Mm -hmm. there are two different kinds of horror. There's horror that is this clown has the voice of Tim Curry and kind of weird dragon teeth and it's going to bite you (laughs) and not great, but not based in reality Mm -hmm. and then there's like 
on this podcast, one thing we're never going to do is watch movies that are like labeled quote unquote horror, but what they really are is true crime. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just that sometimes what really happens in the world is so horrifying mm -hmm. that sometimes it gets like labeled and you're like, that's a real thing. That's the Zodiac. Like right. that's a movie. Like that's, right. a, that's a killer. And so like, that's not the kind of real life horror that like, I watch, right. you know, because things that it's like that really like it's not it's not Pennywise opening a drain. It's something that really does happen to people. And it's like it it was a very weird decision mm -hmm. um, to like include. It. Especially when then what you're going to do is basically be like, like, you can't let one movie be the 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 final say or the only say but when you have a movie like that what is it telling you that like there is no hope to be a ha to be a happy couple yes. because you're bookending with two um queer couples and one of them gets brutally you know one half gets uh brutally murdered mm -hmm. that bookends it yes like and it's like was there no one in the writer's room who could be like i don't know about that like i think i think that only, only works people. if you I think that only works if you don't kill Eddie mm -hmm. because otherwise, what are we saying? And you can't say it's a horror movie because other than Stan and Eddie, no one else fucking dies in our mm -hmm. main group. Yes. Um, also, while we're on this topic, I, I feel like it's important to point out that there are a lot of people who watched this movie and by the end of it did not realize that Richie was gay. And I, am still waiting on a representative from the heterosexuals to come to my house and explain straight people to me. I, I got nothing. I got, I didn't say I got you'd be the representative. <laughs> I would hope not. I would hope not, but I just felt like I, I thought he was, I thought he was gay in the 1990 version. I, <laughs> I don't, no. understand and i think that partially i thought that because i i read things that talked about quotes from the book and stuff mm -hmm. so i knew um like as i got older when right. i would watch it as like a teenager and stuff but um i don't know what to say to that i didn't know there were people who didn't mm -hmm. realize that that's what was happening and that eddie and richie were in love yes so there were like several articles that would that came out not too long after this movie to be like yes that's what that meant and bill Hader had to tell people that's what it meant <laughs> because there are all kinds of straight people who are like i i didn't i didn't get that are you sure and my my personal favorite is i saw like an account um someone posted like a conversation they had with their mother because their mother didn't get it and the person was like he literally carved their initials onto the kissing bridge and she was like oh i thought that it was just because they were friends and i was like in what universe does it mean if if you put your name plus another person's <laughs> name in a platonic way you end it with bff you have to specify that it's platonic because everyone knows that's a romantic thing that's like those jokes about like ah just two gal pals yes. you know jesus i am the telling thing you is if if the if the queer couple doesn't literally make out on screen people are like i i don't know i think you might be reading into this also and if it's two women sometimes they still think you're reading into it yes also stan's letter has his little part is be proud as he's recarving their initials like i don't know how much more clear we can make it but and um, yes also, i'm still waiting on that representative so also um when you watch the first part even there you can see things mm -hmm. like you can see that they like the way that they cling together the mm -hmm. way and you you can tell um, oh because it's contrasted with all these different male relationships that are very close but are not do not have that undercurrent i want to point out not just that they cling to each other richie takes like two steps toward eddie and pulls him back toward him like because again he's ride or die for everyone but mostly for eddie and he would die before he would let something happen to eddie which is what makes this story so much more tragic he also like puts his hand on eddie's face and turns him to look at him when like don't look at him look at me mm -hmm. like and if i always say to other straight people 
when they say things like that, I say, turn X character into a girl, mm-hmm. like either of them, make yep. them a girl. Yep. And then if, if, if that same action you would see as romantic, then you're done. Yes. Like, then that's it. That's, that's the end of it. And so like, but they, bre- it breaks my heart and it breaks my heart because they could have like, fuck it. Who cares? You, you did what you did to Mike. Mm-hmm. Like who even cares then even let cares. Eddie live. They could have done a fake out. Like I would have loved a fake out. It would have. Yes. Because he got caught in the deadlights and we've establish that when you get caught in the deadlights, you see possible futures and bad Mm -hmm. possible futures that will haunt you forever. It could have been a fake out. Also, I do just want to point out that there is a moment where Bill does the same thing to Richie. When, when Richie's freaking out, he like brings him in and is like, look at me, but I don't think he touches him the same way. Um, just cause again, I don't want people. Oh, I agree. But no, I mean, that's the thing is I love how close all of these characters Mm -hmm. are, how close and how loving, but it's like, you see something different with the way Ben feels about Beverly, Mm -hmm. like something different with the way that whole weird quote unquote triangle, but I hate that it's a love triangle. It's like, um, I also think that they don't do a lot of service to that by not making Audra more of a character, Mm -hmm. because if you didn't see the 1990s, if you didn't really know, then you might be really like, diehard shipping bill and beverly and it Mm -hmm. seems like bill is in like this whatever relationship as opposed to audra being like no i'm gonna come there and like help you right just also justice for mike in this one because i didn't need the whole weird ass like mike lying to them and then making up this ritual to make them believe Mm -hmm. like i didn't need any of that Mm -hmm. like they should have just wanted to do it and then like it's like oh, Mike, you lied to us. And I'm like, well, you were all, you wouldn't have all come if you would have been like, come here and meet your greatest fear. Yes. Which Richie says outright. That yes. should have been his opening line. <laughs> um, also in reference to that scene, I wrote, uh, let me show you my crazy person journal and you're, you'll see. And then I do <gasps> a crazy person journal because, oh my God, he is so frantic. Like mm-hmm. he just needs to take a breath. Um, also just, we got, cause we have to mention it. Um, by bringing this ritual in, we're bringing in another racist trope of like the mystical Indian. And I yes. don't like that either, which no, again, to be fair, I think they draw a little bit of that from the book, but only to be fair a little bit because you've had 30 years to learn and you haven't, so. No, no fairness for me, because I think that if you're adapting something and part of it is is problematic in those kinds, then you have an obligation to just remove it. Exactly. Like, there's, um, uh, there's no read, so they'd be like, well, it's in the book. Yeah, the book was written. There's a lot of things in that book that they don't, we're not gonna discuss that they don't bring <laughs> forward and there's a reason for it. Um, um, but it's especially weird I guess this is actually, I think it's the way it's done in the book too. They're both just like dropped in. They're not big parts of the story. They just drop it in. Cause it's like, well, you know how we, we all know that indigenous people are magic, right? Okay, cool. Let's move on. And it's like, I, I'm, I'm going to need it. We're going to need to stop and unpack that before we can just move on and act like this is a normal thing. Fun house scene. I mean, I really enjoyed the fun house. Um, but I was also like, I, um, this is just going to lead to Bill being like, I need to do this on my own. Yes. It's like, stop Bill. Um, speaking of the funhouse scene, it's like 4 PM when he goes into it and it is the middle of the night when he comes out. How long did he just get really lost in there? Yeah. I couldn't really figure out what was happening there. Or did he like have to curl up in a corner and cry for a little while? Well, no. Cause when he comes out, he's pretty hysterical. Could he not get out? Maybe then yeah. also uh, insult on top of that. He couldn't <laughs> he find his way stuck. out. Yeah. Then I wrote Spiderhead. <laughs> Spiderhead does whatever a Spiderhead can. <laughs> you fucking would. You would do that. <laughs> I mean, it was right there. Low hanging fruit. <laughs> I also don't need the space origin. No, I'm really, I'm sorry. This movie was so enjoyable. These, these movies are so enjoyable. There's so much in them, but 
I didn't need to know where it came from to be scared of it. Stop trying to tell me where it comes from. I don't mm -hmm. need to know. It's a demon. Exactly. That's my least favorite thing about this and the novel is that huge, like, especially in the novel, they have this huge backstory and it's like really important as to where it comes from. And I talked about this in the Halloween episode. I sometimes giving your antagonist a backstory makes them a lot less scary. Like not knowing why Michael Myers loves to kill and doesn't talk is what makes him scary. And I always found that it just being this eternal evil was what made it scary. It doesn't need to have come from space and it doesn't need the other half of that story that we're not going to talk about because it's stupid. Also, they're mean to it to death. Yes. I don't think um, we can't not talk about that. We also have to play a fun game. If you could bully one historical figure to death, who would it be? Mine's Thomas Jefferson, obviously. What? Where does that? What? Have you never thought about that? Who would you bully to death? If your bullying could kill one historical figure. Who would I bully? Um, oh, Henry VIII. Great. A plus. I would bully Henry VIII to death if I could. But oh no, it's, it's very odd. I was gonna say, it would be so easy. We already know his insecurities. Exactly. Yep. I would just let him know that like, if you ask the average person, no one knows shit about what he did. They only know about his wives. Yep. Excellent. Anyway, um, back to what you were saying. Uh, I was just saying that I loved that it was fucking with Mike about his parents, mm -hmm. but it's still like, it still doesn't like, like that's a really late in the game reveal. Yeah. Considering it's two, it's two years apart, basically. It's a two years apart reveal. Well, they don't. Do they not say it in the OG, in the, in the first in the one? original one. They, they only start referring to them as being addicted to drugs in the 2019 one. And also changing it doesn't change the fact that you have bowed to the quote, broken black family trope. No. Like you, you, you can't, you can't undo the damage you did there. Yeah. I mean like them just like yelling at it to death. I'm like, you made so many changes. Let Eddie live. I know. Like that's right? all my, and, and like they killed him in such a brutal way. Like there's not even any blood when they kill him in the, they couldn't afford it. We know they only had $4 and Tim Curry got them all. Which it did kind of make me wonder how he died. I'm like, did he get crushed? Yeah, it like squeezes him to death. It squeezes and then drops him. Okay, we've already established it, but I'm pretty sure Child Meg would be so goddamn dead. Mm -hmm. Like depending on what age, if we're talking like little Child Meg, like six years old, the deadest. Mm -hmm. The number 10. Uh, and we've established that I would live because I don't talk to, I didn't talk to any strangers. Although like, I guess it depends on which Pennywise, because I don't think you actually had to like necessarily talk to Pennywise all the mm -hmm. time. Like only some of the kids did some, they were just like, I'm going to scare you. And then I'm going to attack and eat you. Yeah, that's true. So a lure wouldn't have worked on you, right. but you would have been alone wouldn't you have. Yes. If they wanted to get kids alone. In the middle of a cornfield. Not not the actual cornfield. My yard was cut into a cornfield. As an adult, I mean, I don't really know. I mean, I, I think I could really buy the concept of if I just like don't give it power, it dies. I love that. Mm -hmm. So like, I feel like I could buy into that. Yeah, because there's a circular logic to it. Like if you say it works, it does. Like you just go in circles. Um. Do you think the power of our friendship would be able to kill it? Oh yeah, we could bully that clown to death so quickly. <laughs> we don't even need five more friends. We wouldn't, just us. <laughs> if anyone has any demon clowns, they need us to bully to death. We got it. <laughs> I also Amazing. think we could beat up a weird tarantula thing and rip out its beating heart. I'm yes. glad they kept their ripping out its beating heart yes, part. I do too. Also, I've never listened to the commentary for the miniseries. I plan to someday, but I know everyone involved hated that spider thing. So they hated it so much. 
Really? Well, it's really stupid looking, so I can't blame them. No, I can't either. It's just that, like, at least they didn't have to yell at it. Yep. All right. Well, I think I'll go first, Rach, Mm -hmm. because so what we're doing, guys, is, you know, we watch these two movies. We're both doing a story for it. Um, And mine is less of a because it's the finale and so we kind of decided we're gonna do whatever we want for the final episodes clearly let's say yes is less well we also decided that it would be cool if this episode was the length of one of these movies which is kind of where we're we're getting where we're getting but um i decided to do more the broad question of why we're afraid of clowns so i'll go first and then rachel will tell her story so the reason this comes up is because a lot of people like rachel saw this movie and became afraid of clowns but stephen king picked clowns because we were already afraid of clowns as a society so that made me think like why and i'm just gonna cut to the end and then go back and tell the history right there are two psychological reasons we're afraid of clowns um and one is because we can't read their faces and so with all the makeup and that it makes us wonder like what's really going on with them And also there's something that we don't trust as a society about somebody who is that happy and fun and jokey that we think there's something there. So clowns or jesters have been around basically forever. Like as far as you can go back in documented history, like in Egypt, uh, 2500 BCE, in Imperial China, the Hopi Native Americans, there was some form of gesture or clown. Um, and this role could speak truth to power in a way that was really unique in some of these cultures, um, that they could basically like talk shit. There's one, uh, that was telling like an anecdote about one, like, uh, and they all have their own names. I didn't, you know, that, but like, there's one sort of gesture, jester (laughs) who kind of talks shit on an emperor of China for wanting to paint the whole wall. And they were the only person who could, who was able to say, that's a stupid idea. Like, like the, the wall, the great wall. The wall. Not not like a wall in a house. Like they, they like wanted to just make sure it was all the same color. <laughs> no, this person, this emperor wanted to paint the entire wall of China. And I guess everyone thought it was stupid, but the only person who could say it was the jester. Okay. And um, so I I got I read three really great articles, one from Business Insider, one from Time magazine, but the best one was um the the Smithsonian magazine. Nice. Um, and they talked about how um, clowns and jesters have kind of always been a funhouse mirror to society. So sort of the vices of society, they were exaggerated and indulged in, whatever okay. that was. So there was always a bit of a darkness. Okay. Um, but where you start getting into it is there was an a English clown uh, named Grimaldi. Yes. And just... Do you say yes? That sounds right. This clown, yes, I've heard something. Um, The first recognizable modern clown, and um, this clown, uh, Grimaldi, painted his face not fully as to what we look at, but differently than any other clown. Didn't just use rouge. He went full on crazy with his makeup and went full makeup and wore really brightly colored clothes. I hate him. And um, that's sort of where part of that comes from. I take it back. I'm going to bully him to death. Um, But just wait. You might have someone. You might have another one. Because there's two, basically, two big clowns of the era who get the modern look. Um, He also did a lot of physical comedy. And the thing is, is he was so well known. There was a point where they said every single person who lived in London had seen one of his shows because clowns weren't in the beginning, like they weren't just circus attractions that would come later. They did their own shows. Okay. And his life was really dark behind the scenes. He had a horrible stage father. His wife died in childbirth and his son drank himself, was an alcoholic who drank himself to death by 31. Ouch. And the physical comedy he did made him permanently disabled. Wow. So then we're going to throw a curveball. Yes, it is if you're doing it that way. Like, you got to be safe. We're going to throw a curveball in. 
I don't know. Like, there's a couple of things here that didn't have a ton of detail. Like, I could have gone deeper into these specific clowns, but I was more doing a history. But my guess, it was, like, flips and stuff. Falling in a non-safe way. Oh, yeah. If you don't fall right, you're really going to mess up your knees and stuff. So he died. If you stand upright, you can mess up your knees. (laughs) So he died in 1837. And the coroner's verdict was died uh, by the by the visitation of God. (laughs) Same. God was like, this is unholy. Don't do this anymore. (laughs) So we're going to throw a curveball right now. Enter the probably the last person you would think was about to enter. Charles Dickinson. Rachel's like, I knew that's who it would be. So Charles Dickinson. Sure. I mean. I know. Now I've like, now I'm like losing my mind over here. Now I'm like, wait, which one is right? The man who wrote a tale of two cities. We're having a little bit of a, of a time here. <laughs> Look, we've been you guys all know for three hours. It's been a real time here. We did not anticipate. We were so stoked. And Rachel was like, it's got to be both versions of it. And I was like, of course it's both versions. And now we're here. And I'm sure you're listening to it in two episodes, but it was all one time. He wrote Charles, our man, Charlie. It's Dickens. It's totally Dickens. It's Dickens. It's Dickens. (laughs) He, um, he edited his memoirs and then he wrote these fictionalized quote unquote stories about a clown that were kind of based on him and his son. Um, Because his son who drank himself to death was also a clown. And it really told about this very, very dark behind the scenes life that this like quote unquote fictional clown lived. And there was this idea of an emotional economy that all the laughs he gave on stage correlated to like suffering in his life. So he is, a lot of people say he planted the seeds. Some go as far as saying he invented the evil clown. So that's kind of the first point. Now, parallel to this, And you have to think there's some kind of like um, observation bias Mm -hmm. in the sense that like the seed was planted and then things happen. So in around the same time in the 1800s, in Paris, there was a well-known clown, Piron. I wrote down the pronunciation. That's the one. He went full makeup. He went full white makeup. And um, he was just as popular, just as clowny. And then one day on the street in 1836, he hit a boy to death with his cane. Holy shit. I did and not see that coming. It was one strike. He killed the boy and he was acquitted. And before you even ask, I really tried to find details. Oh, and it God. just said he was acquitted. So I don't know if it's because it was the 1800s and kids didn't matter. So they were like, he's mouthing <laughs> off, whatever. If like, I don't know, but he was acquitted. So that also fed into this idea of people who are clowns are really disturbed. Okay. So then that takes us up into more the modern day. Clowns moved to the circus. Clowns moved to America. And there was even a movie uh, with uh, Jimmy Stewart called The Greatest Show on Earth. And it's about a clown. And then you find out towards the end that he's actually a doctor who's on the run for mercy killing his wife. So even in America, one of the first really well-known American clowns, um, he, his name was Emmett Kelly. And he was Weary Willie. And he had sort of the um sort of like uh ripped jeans kind of not ripped jeans but like ripped pants kind of like clown that we think of um and his clown persona came out of the 1930s crash and his marriage dissolving so all these clowns had these you know these well-known clowns had these really tragic backgrounds uh and then that takes us to the most famous clown that's evil John Wayne Gacy. Now, as Rachel and I will both tell you, he did not use the clown to lure people, Mm -hmm. but it fed into this idea that people who do that have a dark, are are doing it because they have some kind of dark side. So Mm -hmm. he just fed into that narrative um, that something that's that, you know, happy, that whatever, that like there's something dark. So that goes back to the idea of like, we're afraid of clowns because we can't see their faces and because we think there's something underneath that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there've been studies and they say that like, out of the context of being evil, like it, like kids like clowns, that it's like, if you, that the issue is that like, if you're 
fed this narrative that feeds into the narrative of being nervous about clowns, then you're going to, it's just going to compound, but that there've been studies done. Um, it made me think of like patch Adams. Basically there've been studies that like clowns can be really helpful for like sick kids. Okay. And so it's that like clowns in that environment. So, um, I will also say that this Smithsonian article said that for a lot of people who say that like these movies have hurt clowns and hurt like the clown like economy, that there's actually no way to really tell that because when they do job surveys for clowns, it's lumped in with like other street performers. Gotcha. So it's really hard to separate clown statistics. <laughs> um, but also... <laughs> What's funny is I was trying to say that with a straight face and Rachel just like lost it. Yeah, not. But on the other hand, what I've just shown is that historically we've always been really nervous around clowns and that it far um goes far back from it. Mm -hmm. So there's that. So that is my my little history lesson in honor of my boyfriend Mike. <laughs> um of the history of why we're scared of clowns and let me just make sure there's nothing else oh um so it was the 20th century the early 20th century when clowns moved to children before that the shows were really a lot more adult and they okay. focused towards that telling truth to power kind of stuff and the like they weren't necessarily kid oriented so that's okay. also still not, like that's not how they were originally cool. all right and what did you choose to talk about rachel I am going to talk about the 2016 clown sightings. Um, and I was going to talk about clown sightings in general, but the thing about the 2016 ones is there's just, it was 2016. There was so much information. And I would like to open this story with an anecdote. So, and you know, I mean, Meg knows what this is already, but you guys don't. Um, so it's 2016, either late August or early September, based on the dates involved here. And Meg sends me this news article, the CNN article titled apartment complex warns residents about clown trying to lure kids into woods. And I didn't even read the article before I went, I would move. And Meg, I believe your response was, I knew you were going to say that. Definitely. There comes to a point of friendship with someone where you're sending them articles just to get, you know what they're going to say, <laughs> but you're just like. Oh my God. Here's, here, I found an article about your worst fear. <laughs> Read it. Um, so that was in Greenville, South Carolina. And that was around August 20th. And it's not actually the first clown sighting of that year, but it is the one that kind of went viral and inspired all the other ones. So like in early August, there was some chucklehead who was dressing up as a clown to promote his independent horror film. And chucklehead. Chucklehead, yes. Um, well, we're, I'm going to be saying the word clown so much that calling him a clown is just like not going to work. And honestly, every single interview I've ever read with him makes him sound so insufferable. So we're not even going to talk about him. So on August 20th, someone reports to the police, or I guess they call the police and say that there's a clown trying to lure kids into the woods behind this apartment complex, but they don't file a police report. And then the very next day, a kid tells his mom that he saw clowns whispering and flashing green lasers and then they run off into the woods and his brother tells his parents that he heard like chains and banging on the door the night before so the night of August 20th and then I assume this is an adult resident reports seeing a clown at approximately 2 30 in the morning just standing under a light waving not saying anything doesn't approach just does that and then kids report a clown tries to lure them in with money. And then I wrote back in my day, they just use candy to lure us. Today's kids get money, which honestly, even if it was a clown offering me a substantial amount of money, I might do it. I'm pretty broke. How much money to go in the woods with a clown? $5 million. Okay. Counter question. Yes. You're out walking Huxley. Mm -hmm. You look and they're across the street, but like diagonal, like mm -hmm. I, you know where I'm talking about, like where you, like you would be going down that place next door, like right mm -hmm. across from there. Clown does not approach, just waves. How far would you have to move? 
how far, Rachel, before you felt totally safe? You don't live in a big area. Europe. <laughs> the thing is, I don't even have a thing about clowns, but the idea of anything that is dressed in an inhuman manner, just mm -hmm. like waving to me, mm -hmm. like even if some guy was just standing there wearing like one of those unicorn onesies, I would still be really unsettled. Yes. It's weird. And also one of these two nights, there are reports of gunshots at this apartment complex because apparently two men heard the stories about clowns hanging out near the woods and just fought, heard some noises and started shooting into it. And the police department does not recommend that, they said. Um, and then on the 24th, the apartment complex, in response to all these stories, sends out a letter to their residents, and I'm going to read it to you now. To the residents of Fleetwood Manor, there have been several conversations and a lot of complaints to the office regarding a clown or persons or a person dressed in clown clothing taking children or trying to lure children into the woods. First and foremost, at Fleetwood Manor Apartments, children's safety is a top priority. At no time should a child be alone at night or walking in the roads or wooded areas at night. Also, if a person or persons are seen, you are to immediately call the police. Greenville County Police Department is aware of the situation and have been writing the property daily. Remember, there's a 10 p.m. curfew for the property, so to ensure your children's safety, please keep them in the house at night during night hours and make sure at all times children are supervised. Any more information that comes regarding this issue will be sent out to all residents. Thank you, property management. Can you imagine getting that letter? Imagine you haven't heard these stories and that letter just shows up at your door. Be like, I, I've got questions. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, again, I would move. I like how the police were like, we don't recommend shooting into the woods. <laughs> yes, at random noises you hear. And honestly, like within a couple of days, we start getting reports from two different apartment complexes in the area of clown sightings. So like I said, this isn't the first one that happened, but it is the one that kind of like got out there and led to this wave of clown sightings. It also led to a wave of think pieces about whether or not this was actually like, whether or not this was a hoax. A lot of them I just find really annoying because like it's, it was a hoax in the sense that nobody seemed to be genuinely trying to lure children anywhere, but there were absolutely assholes dressing up as clowns out there um and there were also false reports and we're gonna get into examples of all of these so i am going to pre-apologize for just the number of sources there are going to be because they're all i have to link to like local news stories and stuff like that and the stories i'm going to tell you are going to go in different categories we've got the funny ones we've got the not funny ones then we've got the really not funny ones. And then we've got the ones that are kind of funny again. So with the funny ones, well, actually this first one's not funny. Um, in Effingham, Illinois, a whole family reported seeing a clown that seemed to be using a vacant house down the street as its home base. Like the daughter sees it Sunday night and then Thursday they're going out to eat. The whole family sees it and they think it's like hanging out in a vacant house down the street. No arrests were ever made in that one. In Chula, Mississippi, a, the police chief actually saw a someone dressed as a clown. Like as he was like driving around in his patrol car, he saw someone dressed as a clown. And the clown ran off and was never seen again, um, which does not surprise me. Also, if you have a second, I highly recommend you look up Kenneth Hampton, either Chula, Mississippi or Shelby, Mississippi, because this guy is like not even a real person. I, I swear to God, he thinks he is John Wayne. He like gave so many interviews and he kept talking about how this person dressed as a clown was going to get shot. Like he's like, I'm not worried for everyone else. I'm worried about the person dressed as a clown because someone's going to shoot him, which is a crazy thing for a cop to say, but also it's not wrong. <laughs> Shooting's not how you get rid of clowns, though. You have no, to you bully, bully them, them to death. death. <laughs> yeah. Also, I really like how some of these things are phrased. It's either a clown or a person dressed as a clown, because I have questions about that phrasing. 
Uh, the question, the answer like, is I'm just not thinking about it that hard. Oh, I thought I, again, I thought that's how they phrased it in the letter was it's a clown oh. or a person dressed. And I was like, that would be my first question to my apartment <laughs> managers was like, are you saying this? You think this is what, like an organic clown or a person <laughs> just like masquerading it? I have some serious questions about oh. that phrasing. But my very favorite part about the Chula story is, you know, the police chief is, is giving this interview. He's talking about how people are starting to get like really anxious about it. And he goes, there was a blackout in Chula last night and everybody blamed the clown. <laughs> like, how does the clown even cause a blackout? Like, I thought you were going to say he was being interviewed and the clown walked by him. <laughs> a la my favorite behind him. A la my favorite moment in horror movies. <laughs> no, it's it's a tie. My favorite parts of the story are a tie between that sentence and the fact that they never saw that chucklehead again. <laughs> He was like, was not expecting to be seen by the chief of police. In Muncie, Indiana, the police uh, had to put out a police report that said, clowns are not coming to kill your children. And as you read the article, you can just tell how tired these police officers are because they are just getting like constant 911 calls. And they're like, guys, clowns are not coming to eat your children. Did they actually see any in Muncie or was it just from reading other articles? It might be from reading other articles. There were, I mean, we'll get into this later, but like it quickly blossomed from individual sightings to like threats and like, well, and also like the, in the purge, they wear clown masks. So like they drew on that a lot, that like there was going to be like a purge style, like a clown styled purge event. Like, so I think they like people, people, People were calling the police about that. I don't, I don't really know. I don't have anything about a specific sighting. These are just really funny articles I came across. At two different universities, the students got together and went on like a clown hunting rally, which like very quickly just became like a march, like just like, just like a pep rally kind of thing. But like they both started as like, we are going to find these clowns. Oh, college. And I think you I found know. the clowns once you get yes. there and you look around, there are the clowns. At Penn State, there were 500 students. At Michigan State, um, one freshman like photoshopped a picture of a clown on campus and posted it to social media at like 10 p.m. and then goes back to studying. And by within two hours, the entire campus has gone completely insane. Like apparently these, these guys report, they heard a, a, a girl, I, I guess, well, she would be a woman by this point, but I mean, college students are children, but they, they hear this woman screaming about clowns. So they're like, ah, oh, we are going to find this clown. And like 200 other students join in and like, they eventually find out that it's just because this, this lady, like, posted a photoshopped picture can i just say that these kind of clown rallies are the kind of things that rachel and i would have talked about going to extensively and then stayed home and ate pizza yep. like it would have been like the kind of thing be like oh my god there's a clown rally and then it'd be like i don't know it's at like 10 like that would have been us in college they weren't planned they were all impromptu oh okay it was, was like say. all of a sudden they're just hundreds of students marching around campus looking for clowns but then I, we'd already be in our jammies we wouldn't be going oh, yeah. anywhere nope absolutely not again there were false reports there was one in hogansville georgia a man and his sister-in-law reported seeing a couple people trying to lure children into a van and when the police got there it was just a couple whose van had broken down um so they got arrested for making a false police report um there was one in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. In St. Tom's River, New Jersey, a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old got arrested for making false police reports, which is super not funny because their children don't understand, like, you know, the gravity of what they're doing. Um, no. Or I don't know if they got arrested for filing false police reports or inciting a panic, honestly, at this point. Um <clears throat> But again, this did happen. Like people dressed up as clowns and went out with the intent of scaring people. 
a 20 year old man in Mill Middlesboro, Kentucky was arrested for dressing as a clown, hiding in bushes and charging at cars. He was charged with disorderly conduct, wearing a mask in public, and two outstanding warrants for non-payment of fines and failure to appear in court, which are not related. Those are just other things he had going on that he might have never been caught for if he hadn't dressed up as a clown and tried to scare people. In Sheboygan, Wisconsin, a man was arrested with a mask and a concealed knife. In Roseville, Michigan, two 18-year-old women um, they charged two 14 year old girls and they were charged with the disorderly conduct, which carries a penalty of up to 90 days in jail and a $5,000 fine. So Holy like, shit. yes. Clown every- does not pay. No, not if you're doing it like this. And like all the articles I read, you know, included a spot there at the end where they're like, there's nothing inherently illegal about dressing up as a clown. Although I would argue there should be. But in a lot of places, it is illegal to wear masks in public if you're over a certain age and it's not like a certain holiday. And it's a crime to like dress up as something and like try to scare people and incite panic. So those are the kinds of things that people were arrested for. And now we get to the really not funny stuff, which is, here's one in Reading, Pennsylvania, a 29-year-old got arrested for fatally stabbing a 16-year-old who... I guess what they ended up deciding is he was wearing one of those purge masks, like not even down over his face, but he was wearing it over his head and there was some sort of altercation and he stabbed the 16 year old boy and the boy died. Um, Yes. And then like I alluded earlier, it wasn't just sightings. There was a lot of stuff going around social media that like People were going to, like, there were a lot of, like, bomb threats called in. Like, people just say that, you know, they were going to, that clowns were going to come to the schools. Like, a lot of schools went on at least soft lockdowns. Um, In Milwaukee, there were some shootings threatened, which led to um, two different people being arrested. There was a 15-year-old girl from Kowaskum. And then a seventh grader from West Bend was potentially charged with making threats online um in Athens Georgia an 11 year old girl was arrested for bringing a knife to school because she was scared of the clowns um and schools have no tolerance policies for things like that so I don't I don't have any follow-ups to any of these by the way so it's just real sad and then in Montgomery Alabama a 10 year old was arrested for making terroristic threats online I think against so there were like a couple people making threats to these schools and like some of them they were threatening to beat up specific people others they were saying they were coming for the school but again a 10 year old um got arrested and I don't again I don't know what happened to this child hopefully he did not get tried as an adult because that was one of the things that they've said like if this were an adult that's a class a felony yeah so like it's all fun and games until you get arrested. Like this wasn't just like a fun meme. Like this was like a real panic that like, I don't, I don't know how many people remember this. 2016 was kind of a big year, but I definitely remember like you couldn't go anywhere without hearing about like these clown sightings. They were in every state. They were, it was international. It was not just the United States. I focused on the U S because that's where I live. I didn't use Wikipedia as a source, but I'd kind of look at it. If you go to Wikipedia and search 2016 clown sightings, like it's just broken down into country. And in the U.S., it's broken down into states. Indiana's not represented, which I'm pretty offended by. Um, But neither neither is Minnesota, um, which took me a lot longer to figure out because I just couldn't find it in that mess of M's. So yeah, it was was crazy. but there were some some kind of funny things. Um, Stephen King and one of the guys from ICP both tweeted about it. And they were both like, Stephen King was like, guys, you need to calm down with this clown thing. Like, most of them are just trying to make kids laugh. And I don't remember what the dude from ICP said. Because it was a, it was a long, mostly incoherent tweet. Um, which is right on brand. Target pulled clown masks from their stores and McDonald's stopped letting Ronald McDonald go to events. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, it was a weird thing. Like from the end of August 
to, I don't know, maybe the end of October. Like this was just this, it was crazy. There were clown sightings everywhere. People got arrested. People were threatening schools. Schools went on lockdowns because of clown threats. And then it just all ended the way moral panics always kind of do. Like I didn't, because I focused so much on like the nuts and bolts that I didn't really get into why, but it's always like, I don't know that we've come to a consensus on what causes mass hysterias. One of the sources was saying it seems to be this like fear. It's based on social anxiety is obviously. And I mean, again, if you remember 2016, we were all pretty anxious about one thing or another. And just like this fear of an other, which was being pretty heavily, I'm trying not to make this a Trump podcast, but was being pretty heavily stoked in the presidential race, that fear of like others coming for us and coming for our children. So I don't know. It was, it was, and again, this has happened other times. It happened like in the eighties, those are a little harder to find, but like in the eighties, like late eighties is when we uh, finally started to realize that children don't just get itchy feet. They are actually being abducted and murdered. Um, So there was an anxiety there. And like, I mean, we've never not been anxious as a society. There's always something, but remember 2016 and how weird it was. I mean, weird's kind of a relative term to me at this point. I mean, yeah. But remember when we were living in it and we were like, this is the weirdest thing that's ever happened. And we had no idea. Okay. Um, well, we're, we're wrapping it up. What I, again, I'm guessing is part two of the finale. Um, <laughs> God, I, I just, so. I just wanted to say, um, thank you to everyone who is hearing this. Uh, that means you've like stuck with us. Uh, we've made a lot of jokes, but this podcast is really a labor of love. It's, uh, been a, uh, over two year endeavor for Rachel and I from, mm-hmm. um, when uh, we first talked about the idea in June 2018 uh, to now when it is out and we are finishing it up. And uh, just thank you for everyone's support. And uh, we hope to see you uh, for the start of season two and uh, see you on social media. Uh, Just a reminder, our social media accounts are True Horrors Pod on Twitter and Instagram. I wish I could tell you what our website is, but I mean, that's obviously linked in our bios. So we're clearly not professionals. I don't know if we ever gave you that impression. <laughs> we're just kind of figuring it out as we go. We're not professionals. We just hope uh, we want to share our love of horror our, um, and, you know, give you guys a good time. Uh, thank you very much. And we look, like I said, we look forward to seeing you in season two. Goodbye. Goodbye.